What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. You're listening to Mystic Lounge with Alan B. Smith. Rebroadcast on the Onyx Network. Thursdays at 11 p.m. Pacific, Fridays at 2 a.m. Eastern. However you are and whenever you are, welcome, good souls. This is Mystic Lounge. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, this past year has been a year of transformation, and I'm really, really excited to bring on our guest tonight. Now, for everybody listening, this is pre-recorded, uh, but while this airs, I will be in the chat on YouTube. So if you want to check it out, hang out with us, share your thoughts, go to Mystic Lounge uh, YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash mystic lounge. And then you get to hang out and watch this conversation with the very special Tyler Henry. Tyler Henry is the author of Here and After Here and Hereafter, How Wisdom from the Departed Can Transform Your Life. Um and you know, we're fans, my wife and I, uh Omi of Tyler, and we have a number of psychics on this program, and I have to say the the first time in my life that I ever had an experience with a psychic medium was on this show. And it was some time ago. And although I was a believer, uh, for lack of a better word, when someone actually read me and it was <laughs> uncannily accurate, it, it completely changed my, the way I even hear uh, a reading, the way I see um, people, how they react when Tyler Henry reads them, because I, I know that that feeling to a degree. And, uh, you know, we're talking about psychic mediumship, and ultimately, that's well-being. And for me, my well-being relies entirely, well, not entirely, a major pillar of my well-being relies on my coffee. Um, so if you are also a fan of coffee like I am, please go to aliencoffeebean.com to get the really delicious brews, and you get a 20% discount code for the Mystic Lounge show. And that uh, discount code is MYSTERY20, all caps, MYSTERY20, and that's aliencoffeebean.com, and they ship in the U.S. only. And, oh yeah, if you're on uh, iTunes, please uh, do a little bit of uh, a review. I appreciate that very much. Okay, now let's get right to our guest, Tyler Henry. Tyler, star of the Netflix series Life and Death with Tyler Henry, continues to be the most sought-after clairvoyant medium, both in the United States and around the world. In his new Netflix series, Tyler demonstrates how he uses his unique gift of communicating with the other side to bring comfort, closure, and hope to his clients. Tyler's goal has always been to aid in the grief process and provide validation and closure through his one-on-one private readings. His TV show, his book, 
and now his live shows. He is making a difference, um, and he is most certainly doing that with his new book, which I just finished, uh, Here and Here After, right here. And welcome, everyone, the author of Here and Here After, Tyler Henry. Hey, Tyler, how are you? Hello, Alan. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so thankful to be able to do this, and I appreciate your patience. Oh, no, I appreciate you you coming on. And, you know, I really enjoyed your book because it it wasn't just, this is what it means to be a psychic. You know, it, it was, this is what I've learned and how I can apply it to everyday life. So, uh, it's a little bit of like a self-help book in a way. It's kind of in that category, but sure. um, but it offers guidance that you have gleaned. Uh, so one of the first things that I, I want to ask you is when you are receiving information from the quote-unquote other side, have you ever picked up on there being an other side to the other side? That's a wonderful question. And I've had my own questions about what it means to be a person, personhood in general. We have questions about it as human beings. And I often wonder how that applies on the other side. So I've yet to really surprise me that there are many incarnations. And that's really kind of my belief that whether it's in this realm or the next, um, you know, we really kind of exist in many forms, all of which are really fundamentally eternal. And that's kind of the common thread behind my belief. Yeah. So how should someone take your advice? So you're getting information from the other side. Um, and it's very personal. I know that, you know, giving advice can be a slippery slope. So how do you, how do you navigate that? Because, um, you know, it's like sometimes there's something that, I feel like I should say to someone. And sometimes I feel like that's something that should come from a therapist and someone who's trained. Sure. Absolutely. Well, there's certainly a distinction to be made when giving a reading. I view it as a huge responsibility and an opportunity to validate someone's feelings in the here and the now. But, you know, I always say, you know, you can kind of lead a horse to water. You can't make a drink. Um, there's certain areas of discernment that are necessary to use to be able to meet a person with where they're at. And so my belief is a good medium does that in a way that's gentle and diplomatic. And the idea being that the goal is just to move someone forward, to leave someone better than you find them. We think of mediums as being oriented around closure and grief. And while that can sometimes be true, oftentimes mm -hmm. it's really just about having your personal experiences and feelings validated by somebody who doesn't know you, somebody who's an outside source. And that feeling of understanding alone can be really transformative in a person's life. Um, have you had that experience as a as from another psychic medium? I have. I've seen many yeah. now at this point, probably over 200, uh, you know, self-proclaimed psychics. So some were legitimate, others not so much. Um, but I had a really transformative experience when I was a teenager. I met with a woman and she asked me my birthday. And mm -hmm. it was completely off the cuff, as these things often are when they're legitimate. And <laughs> she started rattling out information about me based off of my birthday. And this was in a public setting. And I quietly uh, took her to the space is where I was working at the time. And we had a conversation. And she proceeded to make all these predictions about my life mm -hmm. uh, that at the time I thought seemed kind of fantastical and ridiculous. Uh, but I listened because she had been correct about what she'd initially said. And as my life has panned out and been pretty absurd and uh, <laughs> in some wonderful ways, you know, I've been able to very much step into those premonitions that she made, um, which at the time would not have seemed reasonable. 
Um, in your book, there is a copy of your sketching, or is that scrying? That's a good question. I think it could apply as both, right? Automatic writing, sometimes people think of it as as well. It's mm -hmm. just a mechanism to kind of turn on. Yeah. Now, I'm, I'm kind of imagining that somewhere out there, there's someone trying to like scan that and crack a code <laughs> to like some major secret of the universe. Right. It's like yeah. the Da Vinci's code. We're going to go right, to right. Absolutely. Exactly. So, the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> yeah. For the interdimensional. Yes. Um, what, what's your favorite music? What do you, what do you listen to? to oh, favorite right? music? You know, there's yeah. something so nostalgic about the past and not to make this about my work, but like yeah. I get such an appreciation for times that are no longer here. And so music, mm -hmm. I find it hugely cathartic, you know, um, so many, Billie Holiday, Nina Simone, I mean, we're going way back. I like that kind of music. It's, uh, takes me out of kind of the present moment. Yeah. And do you use that for, uh, just in general for yourself or before reading? Both. And I, I find there's kind of times where it's important to be able to tune in and times where it's mm -hmm. important to be able to tune out and being able to navigate both is equally important in my work. So there's times where I need to focus and really be in the present moment, in which mm -hmm. case I'll things that are typically more tactile um, or will be kind of more meditation oriented. And then there's things where I want to kind of get out of my mind, out of my body, in which case I'll blare music or blare white noise um, or do things that kind of take me out of my mind. So these are all tools that I've learned as an intuitive to kind of connect energy and disconnect to it so that I don't carry it with me about my day. Sure. Yeah, it's really important because th there are a lot of heavy um, components to the work that you do emotionally. Um, and one of those things that I feel like has been coming up more and more with emotion and, and dealing with family and friends and relatives, psychology, is narcissism. And um, I know someone who is a narcissistic parent, um, and they use things like, well, your soul picked us as parents. So uh, guilt trip on you. Yeah. Um, it's your fault. It's not my fault. When when someone's in that kind of a relationship, because you talk about forgiveness in the book, yeah. how do you or can you forgive when it's continual, when it's ongoing and they're not they're not looking for redemption? They're not looking to change. I'm a big believer that we kind of have to often accept the apology we never received. And while that might sound like a nice platitude, I think it has a lot more power than that. I think mm -hmm. that in some ways forgiveness does free us. Um, we think of it as dependent on someone having remorse. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think we can get to a place of acceptance uh, if we can prioritize that. But when we think of spirituality, it's very important, I think, that people not use it particularly narcissists, you know, um, to further their gains. I, I think we see it even biblically where people will say, you know, honor thy parent, or, you know, respect thy elder, um, all excuses in, in various forms to kind of assert control. So uh, it's, it's interesting. And narcissism does often kind of seem to go hand in hand yeah. with that subject. Yeah. <clears throat> so then it, it is a kind of a forgiveness or is it something a little bit different? It's a good question. I, I think from my work, I'd say that I've seen acceptance as being a huge integral part of what it means to find peace on the other side. So we talk about peace. Are they okay? Are they with loved ones? And, and I believe certainly consciousness kind of reunites with itself. Um, but my belief with that is that that peace is dependent on the acceptance of how they lived and how they died. Mm -hmm. So if they can find a, an area of, okay, I see how I did what I did, how it affected others for better or for worse, and when they can really come to terms with that, I think that's a true resolve that we have to get to in ourselves.
yeah. and that takes uh, you know process. In the book, you also mention uh, you comment on psychedelics, yes. and and you're I'm sure it's controversial. You've had this conversation before, yes, uh, yes. <laughs> but you know I I am a recovering uh, addict, and I've used psychedelics in the past, um, and. I still, I still look at psychedelics and as a benefit uh, for some people, especially those with like PTSD and that sort of thing. Um, but as far as having the mystic experience, I, does, do you really think that um, psychedelics is not quite at the level of, of having a mystical experience through meditation or other sort of mindfulness? I would say, based on my limited experience with understanding that subject, right, mm -hmm. that as somebody who's never done psychedelics, full disclosure, <laughs> I can only speak on that so much. But I will say this, I have had friends of mine who have viewed it as a shortcut for spirituality, people who maybe didn't have much of a spiritual connection, have never maybe maybe had a natural mystical experience. And to um, kind of initiate that, they have taken maybe psilocybin or done LSD or DMT or like some of the you know more heavier ones. So I find that um, that can sometimes be a little troublesome just in, in people I know as a replacement for spirituality, but certainly under you know proper protocol, it has hugely therapeutic benefits. All right. So... I guess I'm thinking of Terrence McKenna, right? And he yeah. he refers to uh, the psychedelic experience as like the, the the working class man's, you know, and woman's access to the divine because you're you're busy, you're working, you've got responsibilities. So, like you said, it's like a quick access to the spiritual yeah. spiritual realm. And I think there's a lot of benefits. Like it opens up that door of perception. Totally. Um, yeah, where where you can you can begin to see life through a different lens, um, what for you would define an actual um, natural, you know, or non-induced uh, mystical experience? Well, it's a great question in the sense also that we talk about altered states of consciousness. And I think mm -hmm. to do what I do, I require some altered state of consciousness. So while in one breath I'm saying, you know, maybe let's not try to create a substitute, equally I see the value of um, kind of doing things to be able to think differently. Um, my personal belief is, you know, anything that we take substance oriented to help alter our minds, you know, we see that even with caffeine, right? So we're all often guilty. I'm a coffee lover. You're a coffee lover. Yeah, yeah. We all on some level can relate to that. But uh, you know, I, <laughs> you, I you have no idea how much I love that you mentioned coffee in your book. I exactly. Like, yes! I love right. it. It yeah. actually, honestly, I give better mm -hmm. readings when I've had my cup of coffee. So is that not some aspect of an altered state? It, it kind of, kind of, yeah, technically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, you know, the the semantics of it, the definitions have become very blurry. But sure. Yeah. Um, I would say something that's unaided by medication would, would be what I would mm -hmm. define as a mystical experience naturally. Would that include, uh, let's say, an encounter with a, a, a ghost or a UFO encounter? Would that fall into that category? Absolutely. Mystical experiences are so fascinating how they often apply to ghosts, uh, paranormal poltergeists, UFOs, mm -hmm. so wide reaching in, in often the reports. Yeah, and you you definitely are into the UFO thing because I, I see you on, on Twitter and I'm like, oh my God, he's so into this. I love it. I am. I am. You know, it's, I just have always found the mysterious, of course, fascinating, but never really took one stance or another on UFOs. And then in recent yeah. years with the release of the Nimitz uh, Insta video and, and all of mm -hmm. that, it's 
been very fascinating to see the the rollout and the credibility that's been you know garnered. You know, intuition is a central theme of your book. Um, putting aside any kind of spirit communication, you know, information. Um, what do you? What's your gut feeling about uh, possible disclosure if it's true that that UFOs are extraterrestrial in, in origin? Sure. Uh, you know, I have no strong stance on that other than I would say in my mind, I think of disclosure as more of a process versus mm -hmm. maybe necessarily the president hopping on the television and saying, you know, today we have found aliens. Um, I, I really think we're in it. I think we're in disclosure. And in many ways, I think it has been disclosed by credible people that there is more going on than we see. So how that applies to the mainstream, how long it will take to gain momentum for, you know, 51% of the world to believe in aliens, mm -hmm. eventually we will cross that threshold. And when that happens, I, I and I do think it will, um, you know, that's when maybe we, we are at disclosure. Yeah, disclosure could be, I think, in itself a consciousness shifting moment for, for our species. Yes. Are there any historical precedents that, that you've come across where you go, ah, like this happened and the consciousness of, of humanity um, shifted? Sure. Well, I'd say just the invitation or in the invitation, the invention rather <laughs> of uh, written word. I mean, took True, us yeah. from, you know, just passing down stories through uh, generations verbally mm -hmm. and it being like a game of telephone to being able to now document subjective experience in a way that's, uh, tangible and readable through people in the future. So that I think was one of the biggest. What about you? Do you think of any others other than like the invention of writing? What are some others? Uh, I think that the invention of of the telegram and, yes. and communication like that, because yes. that because that's literally mind to mind yeah. contact. And I, I think that was a, a huge shift. Yes. Uh, of course, then the telephone and the internet, but that, that was all an evolution from that origin of, oh my God, I can send a message. I can share my thoughts with somebody yes. almost instantly around the world. Yes. And it really yeah. did something to individualism, didn't it too? And being oh able to yeah. share who we are with people. Yeah. And now we have Twitter. <laughs> oh, Twitter. <laughs> yeah. But I think Twitter I've, I've learned, um, cause I, I've been dipping in a little bit more recently, um, to just have fun and like ignore the other stuff that goes on there. Um, oh. it's just not good for your brain. And, you know, you talk about in your in your book too. You know, shutting off the phone and like letting your intuition, uh, you know, kind of rise and finding that center. So, on that sense, if communication has shifted our consciousness, and I would think, I think positively, in many ways, is it now uh, suppressing our um, latent abilities um, to develop our own intuition in day to day life? We have, you know, such an all-time high of access to information at our fingertips and mm -hmm. really an all-time high of neglecting uh, ourselves. And so, so many people, I think, are focused on not being alone uh, mentally. And even when we're alone, they are on their phone. People go to great lengths to not have to really sit with themselves and mm -hmm. think <laughs> too hard. And uh, understand. Are, are, you, are you guilty of that? Oh, absolutely. I have times where myself, I'm, I'm, you know, sitting there, sometimes it's on my phone, sometimes I'm reading two books at once and I realize, okay, wait a minute, I'm not doing this for information. I'm doing this to run away from something. Um, so, you know, there's a fine line between the practices we do to meditate and the practices that we do to kind of distract and making sure one doesn't become the other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's easy to uh, convince yourself. I mean, again, as I mentioned, 
you know, uh, having a, a background with addiction and depression, um, you can easily tell yourself a story um, and convince yourself because it's it's so much easier than facing the truth. Um, when you're doing a psychic reading, you're getting a, essentially you have like kind of like spirit guides, right? That that help you. Absolutely. So Right. Okay. So you, you're getting some information and when you get that sense that, okay, this is going to be really hard for this person to hear, uh, what goes on, what goes inside your mind? And well, in those moments, I would say, you know, I, I always liken my job to that of a mailman in the sense that I'm not writing the letters, right. I'm just kind of delivering the message, whatever sure. that may be, but how I deliver it is my responsibility. I do feel I have a responsibility to be tactful, to be considerate. You know, I was given a show to dealing with celebrities at the age of 19 years old, where I sat with celebrities, over 200 of them, and jumped into their personal lives without often ever recognizing the person and mm -hmm. had to do that in a way that was tactful. Uh, in a way that was going to ensure that the person wasn't gonna, going to want to slap me or that their publicist wasn't going to want to slap me. So I, <laughs> I ran into, as you can probably imagine, some very... Oh, I, I can imagine, yeah. <laughs> I ran for the UN, really. At that, uh, By the end of those seasons, yeah. I you know, really learned how to navigate the nuance of how to word things in a way where even if it might seem general, mm -hmm. I know it's specific and they know it's specific, but it's being worded in a way where it's not going to expose anybody or make anyone uncomfortable. And that was always my priority. Are there certain foods that can affect how our intuition works or how our psychic abilities uh, can function? Such an interesting question because I've wondered myself, you know, I mean, look, I don't have the healthiest diet. I survive off of pasta and French fries. Uh, I, I kind of eat to live. I don't live to eat. So I'm mm -hmm. not a big foodie. Um, but certainly people have reported like, you know, vegetarian diets. Sometimes people say they feel clear mentally, mm -hmm. uh, others, you know, say the same about protein diets. So I guess it's just a matter of subjective opinion. <laughs> sure. Yeah. yeah. We're, all of our bodies, our biochemistries are, are slightly different. So totally. I could totally imagine that. Um, I, I would imagine that, you know, certain drugs would be problematic. Um, have you ever spoken to other psychics who have, you know, had experience with drugs and, and what was, what was their takeaway? Was it less, uh, was their ability muted, enhanced? So it's fascinating. A, a number of mediums in many of the public eye have spoken about susceptibilities to addiction. Alice mm -hmm. Dubois, a very notable medium, uh, has written extensively about her struggles with, with alcohol and how her ability really affected that, you know, being able to feel so much um, is both a blessing and a curse. And for some people, uh, that's just another added layer of suffering, uh, the ability to kind of intuit the feelings of others. So uh, I think she's been extremely courageous in talking about that and bringing awareness to it because it's something people don't want to discuss, um, yeah. aren't open about. So in my own life, uh, you know, I had a glass of champagne once when I was in Australia. I was still a teenager because it was legal mm -hmm. there. And I, I that was the only time I ever drank. And, and I just never really felt it to be something was called to do. Uh, I kind of worry that, you know, if I got drunk, I'd become like a mean psychic and start like being like, oh, grandma's not proud. And like, you know, I don't want to do that. So. <laughs> right. <laughs> Gotta keep me in check. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. a television show down the line, just get me absolutely boozed up and I'll just uh, start pointing at people. <laughs> I think, I think you just wrote a script for, for a, a comedy show. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. 10%. I'll take talk, 10%. <laughs> yes. Yeah, here's talk to your agent like right now. 
<laughs> um, you know, all of this, is, and we're trying to cover a lot of ground here, but it, to me, it all comes down to uh, how we deal with our ego, whether it's our spiritual wellness, um, conf confrontation with the paranormal and weirdness, confrontation with uh, uh, loss and reality when it really hits us hard. And, you know, we, you talk about ego death in the book, and it's funny because this has come up, you know, quite frequently recently um, on, on the program and the people that I've been speaking with. And the way I perceive ego death is not really like a literal, your ego is gone, it disappears. It's it's like the phoenix. It It's like the ego is mutated, right? It's like, like totally yeah. warped. It's like a breaking down of that and getting down to the the nitty the the, the bone structure what the DNA the, of the ego, and then coming back up again. Right. But do you think do you think that the ego death is it's is a literal death? That's that's so interesting. I love that analogy with the phoenix. I actually mm -hmm. agree with that in, in a in a okay. large sense. Yeah. I think of um you know it being very complicated when we think of ego. I just define mm -hmm. that as kind of the beliefs we have about ourselves. It's pretty generic, but it could apply in many senses, how we view ourselves, how we view others. The idea being that when we die, right, we kind of get an understanding of the beliefs we held um, to a place that gets us an understanding of that ripple effect that in life is very impossible uh, in some ways for us to fully understand. Now, there are certain, you know, moments of extension of compassion where I would mm -hmm. say that ripple effect. Um, even in psychedelics, some people have described feeling a sense of connection with one another, a ripple effect that they didn't yeah. have. Mm -hmm. um, so that all certainly applies, but I think it, it's a kind of process from my experience that I believe mm -hmm. when we die, all consciousness, I believe, becomes self-realized mm -hmm. and that self-realization is, is essentially what I would call ego death. Okay. So you're cool with ego death. I, I'm cool with ego death. I don't want to obtain it really in life uh, so much. You know, I, I think I still in some ways need certain belief structures, um, in order to navigate life. There's times where if someone cuts you off in traffic or you know, you're still gonna need to honk your horn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I think in some ways you wanna enhance those ego structures in life in, in my personal view, um, with the understanding that we ultimately no longer need them as human beings when we die. Because the soul and the ego are two separate things? That's the belief, yes. The ego being really kind of the essence of our humanity. Some ideas of the mind, of, of awareness and self-consciousness, is that we're really just kind of observing our own thinking like a billionth of a second after it occurs. And this is self-awareness, um, which I think is a way of trying to, to describe that there is no soul. It's just a mechanism responding to a me mechanism. Right. Uh, what, how do you respond to, to that yeah. analysis? I think it's so difficult when it comes to subjectivity of trying to quantify a spirit or the soul. You know, we think of science as an objective pursuit, a pursuit of breaking things down, a pursuit of data, a pursuit of trying to quantify things. And then we have subjective things like love and art and spirituality, which in my opinion are very dependent on the individual. And so when we start trying to apply even, I think, you know, neurobiology as science naturally would, to the spiritual, it just falls apart because I believe it really is legitimate, but it's also extremely subjective. So any attempts at pinning it down, I think, become very difficult uh, from a more objective angle. Mm. 
On Mystic Lounge, we talk about ghosts on a fair occasion. And you you describe something called what you call psychic residue. Um, and then I'm guessing, is there a difference between psychic residue and actual ghosts or spirits? Yeah, it's really just kind of reframing the, the age-old idea of residual hauntings. And, um, you know, I think mm -hmm. there could be a distinction between the energy in a space that's more oriented around maybe previous timelines in the past mm -hmm. or even the future, right? Um, and then there's also the idea that certain conscious sentient uh, beings could be present and communicate in a space. And I, I would view those as two distinctly different things. Mysticism to me seems like it's a commonality between all religion and spiritual practices. Do you think that as a society we're doing a good enough job of of collectively getting, you know, the people, the souls to a, a, a mystic state. <laughs> I think we have a lot of work to do, uh, you know, and this podcast is a great start, right? You know, it, all, right, thanks. All, yeah. <laughs> all of these voices help move people forward in yeah. doing themselves as a soul. But no, certainly, you know, we have a long way to go. I don't want to view that you know, uh, technology is, is evil, but it certainly feels like in, in the way that the world is going, technology seems to be taking us away from our mysticism or at least distracting us from it. And I hope that there is a world that can be both technologically advanced and, you know, see itself for the being that it is. Mm -hmm. However, I kind of wonder if those two things don't clash. So <laughs> yeah, we'll it kind of reminds me of the the mythology of Atlantis, right? Yes. Like, like this, it was like this civilization that reached this apex of like balance between technology and spirituality. Um, but then they went astray, astray anyway. So, exactly. um, yeah. Hopefully, if we get there, we can we can stay there. Uh, Tyler, if you can leave us with uh, one thought, any thought that you want, yes. what would it be? Oh, you know, I just have to say, in my work, I've done now over two thousand readings, and mm -hmm. the commonality of most of the people sitting in front of me is that either something went unsaid or something went undone, right? And that's the commonality. Whether they believe in it or not really doesn't matter. They're there because something went unsaid, something went undone. If we can live our lives in such a way where we can prevent future regret, I think we can find ourselves in a position where we don't even need a medium, where we you know, find ourselves in a place of acceptance around how we lived. And if we can do that in the here and the now, that's less work to have to do in the future. So my message to everybody would really just be, say it now, you know, time is of the essence, the clock is ticking. Uh, we hear these platitudes of don't go to bed, go, don't go to bed angry. Um, but that platitude kind of in many ways is, uh, dictates my life. I see people who, you know, go to bed angry and then the person never wakes up. Um, and you have to yeah. kind of live life maybe as morbid as that sounds with that mm -hmm. understanding that, you know, the rug can get pulled from underneath you anytime and you got to say it now. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. And I, I, I would say that applies to, like you said, uh, regret, um, guilt and shame, I think oftentimes prevents us from saying things or expressing ourselves. So that's really beautiful. Thank you, Tyler. Well, thank you, Alan. I so appreciate it. This has been such a fun conversation. Oh, it's been a fun for me. Uh, and thank you, everybody, for joining us. I really appreciate it. Um, as always, please comment down below, like, subscribe, support the Mystic Lounge YouTube channel. And as a friendly reminder, uh, Tyler Henry is the author of Here and Hereafter, How Wisdom from the Departed Can Transform Your Life. Please check out Tyler's show at The Hard Rock 
Casino in Gary, Indiana on November 17th and Firekeepers Casino in Battle Creek. Look for shows in 2023. Links to buy tickets are found on his website at thetylermedium.com. I'll put that link in the description uh, down below. And a special thanks to Race Hobbs and Margie K at the UnX Network. Until next time, everyone, peace and love and live in the mystery. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.